Welcome to Rise from the Scars. I'm your host, Vanessa Whiting. This is a space for transparent conversation about many different life experiences, relationships, and even trauma. A place to be able to tell your story or have your story told, to own your truth, and to rise above the pain. When we learn to embrace our experiences, tell our truth with transparency, then we triumph. Don't be afraid to tell your story and to own your truth. But when doing that, be strong and know that we're in this together. So let's rise. Now on to the episode. Welcome to episode three, facing the facts about substance abuse disorder. I have the honor of sitting down with my friend Penny, who is a Delaware native and the founder of Face the Facts Addiction Resource Center. Penny is also the mom of two, Gabriella and Vincent. And we will talk a little bit about her son, Vincent, who lost his battle to addiction back in July 2017. After losing Vincent, Penny sat down with the owners of the funeral home, Strano and Feely, and they realized that they were burying so many addicts and they had no knowledge of how to direct people for help. And in that moment is when Face the Facts was born. The co-founder, Karen Feely, actually picked the name, and in November, they will celebrate three years. They meet at the funeral home every third Wednesday of each month at 630, and they have hosted several mental health and addiction resource fairs. Face the Facts has an amazing privilege of expanding to Kent County, which will be starting in May 2021. They will meet the first Thursday of every month in Dover. Penny admits that Face the Facts has gifted her with the ability to work with some amazing groups of people right there in Delaware. Hope on Deck, Ma Van, Phoenix Used Clothing, Forget Me Not Families, Babita Jagnanan, Firm, Foundations, Oxford House, Impact Life, and CCD which she is a proud board member of CCD and Impact Life, which both of those groups are changing lives. And most recently, there was a bill um, to permanently lower the American flag on Overdose Awareness Day, August 31st, which was introduced by Delaware Senator Lisa Blunt Rochester. And in that letter to the president, she mentions Vincent's name. Words could not describe how full Penny's heart was when she received the call that that took place. Last year, she had the honor of watching her grandson lower the county flag and her granddaughter lower the state flag. To be able to see years of work come to fruition with her family was such an honor in her baby's name. It was just an incredible honor, is what she said. Her work has gifted her so many opportunities like this one to spread awareness and to break the stigma. Before we move on, I want to read the letter that was written to the president. The Honorable Joseph R. Biden, President of the United States. Dear Mr. President, on August 31st, 2021, we will observe Overdose Awareness Day, which is held in remembrance of the lives lost due to substance use disorder, also known as SUD. The substance and opioid use disorder crisis has affected countless families and communities across the United States. Since 1999, our nation has lost over 750,000 American lives from drug overdoses. And the latest numbers from the CDC suggest an acceleration of overdose deaths during the coronavirus pandemic. 
The crisis claimed over 81,000 lives just last year, the highest number of overdose deaths ever recorded in 12 months, and has shown no indication of declining. The number of deaths over the decades represent more than just statistics and remind us of Corey Merrill, Zachary Geis, and Max Baker from Massachusetts, Vincent Tamborelli from Delaware, and countless others, all whose lives were taken too soon by substance use disorder. In light of the rising overdose deaths taking place across our country, we write to respectfully request that you order flags to be flown at half staff on all federal buildings on August 31st, 2021, Overdose Awareness Day. Our nation has mourned the loss of lives during the coronavirus pandemic by lowering flags to half staff when we reached the grave death toll of 100,000. The lowering of our flags served as a necessary and national expression of grief. Those deaths due to COVID-19 left behind an absence in the hearts of all who knew and loved someone who passed. We are grateful for the federal government's work in acknowledging these crises and believe that the order to lower flags at half staff on Overdose Awareness Day would be the appropriate expression in acknowledging the lives lost to substance use disorder. Thank you for your consideration of the serious request. Sincerely, Lori Strahan, Brian Fitzpatrick, Delaware Senator Lisa Blunt Rochester. Now that we have a little bit of her story, let's go ahead and have some conversation with Penny. Hey girl, how you been? I know you've been busy and you have some things you want to talk about. So let's just go ahead and get into it. How about you tell me about the funeral home experience? So um, we had done Vincent's funeral through Strano and Feely, which is a local funeral home here in Delaware. And I always, whenever I talk about them, I always say, you know, they called to say, do you want to come for dinner? And I said, you know, how do you turn a dinner down at a funeral home? And so I went to dinner and they were burying a lot of addicts and they didn't know, you know, it's not like when your husband dies and you, you send them to a parent grief or a, um, a spousal grieving group. When it happens, you know, I like to believe there's no stigma, but there's still a huge amount of stigma. You know, there's still people who are saying my son died from a heart attack or my daughter was in a car accident because again they just don't want to be judged as a parent so, so what do you so what do you say to a parent who is unaware that their child might be going through some substance abuse they if they think it up here and they feel it in here 99 percent Go with your gut. Have that hard talk. If you know that your child has some type of um, mental issues, you know, or anxiety or those things, and all of a sudden they're staying in their room or they're, they're doing things that are so out of the norm, do something. You know, don't be ashamed to take your kid to, to a therapist. 
And if you take them to your doctor and your doctor's like, here, let me write you a prescription, take them to another doctor. When, when your child first starts to talk about any kind of mental illness, anxiety, um, unusual worrying, things like that, get them, get them help. And don't, don't be afraid don't, that your girlfriends are going to, oh my God, your kid's crazy. Okay. We're all a little crazy. About, I guess, 10 months before Vincent died, we lost a nephew to an overdose. So, you know, in my mind, Vincent was never going to do that to me. You know, we, we talked a lot about how much pain Zach's parents were in. So I, I think that for me, that was like another validation that he was never going to do it. He was just done. He would not choose to hurt me like that. Um, because then I was uneducated and I truly believed that, you know, if you loved me enough, you're going to stop. And, you know, the, the power of addiction is it's all consuming. Men, women will do things, you know, for addiction. The stories that I've heard, the, the things that I've seen make me realize that there, there is no cure. You know, it's, it comes from inside. Tell me about what happened at the funeral home. Um, when my son passed away, I had two girlfriends who were very involved in fundraising. And they gifted me seed money for the Vincent Tamborelli Family Assistance Program. And what it does is it pays for direct cremation and two urns. We, to date, have um, given end of life to 14 families. How are you feeling at this point? I'm starting to question what I should be doing. You know, should I go in a different direction? And we gave end of life to a mom, to a son, and the mom reached out to me and she said, you know, I want to thank you. And I said, you know, that's, it's not about, I, I don't, I just, I'm glad that tonight you can close your eyes and have one less thing to worry about. And she said that her son had been on life support for about 10 days. And every day she sat there with him and like out loud asked him to forgive her because she was going to have to leave him there. How do you provide the end of life for those families? We do it anonymously through the funeral home. And, you know, it, it's something I can't even wrap my mind around. Not being able to bring your baby home. What is your response to the parents who are just so thankful for you giving their child the end of life and to be able to bring them home? You know, there's no thanks to me. I, I want to thank you because that to me, like, is a gift. You know, that that's just a gift. I'm able to, like, do that. I said, mm, you know, you, I don't, it, it's never about the thanks. You know, whenever somebody comes to us, um, there's three of us that, you know, mull it around and make the decision. And, uh, you know, that 
there's to me that that's just it's that's a gift that I've been given to be able to do. Let's talk about Kensington a bit. Tell us what Kensington is for people that may not know what that is. Kensington is the world's largest open air drug market. Um, it's located right off of 95. And when I say right off of 95, it is right off of 95. Um, when you, there's, I mean, it's a town. I don't know how big it is. It's not a huge town. It is a war zone there at the corner of Aramingo and Passyunk. You can't believe it. I mean, you are mid-calf in trash. You look down at your feet. There is orange needle caps as far as the eye can see, and they are everywhere. They are in every crack in the sidewalk. Are there different phases as a result of this lifestyle? We have parents who have lost a child. They're in the process of losing a child. They haven't seen a child. We have a mom whose granddaughter has been in Kensington probably three or four years. She doesn't know if she's alive or dead. Um, you know, every once in a while when we're up there, we have pictures. People say, yeah, I think I saw her. The problem is that's so long ago. That picture is your smiling, healthy child. Right. And when you see them in Kensington, it is not your smiling, healthy child anymore. Because you see a lot of different circumstances when you're out on the street. What type of things do you provide individually or in the bags? Like a, for the girls, it has feminine hygiene products, um, a hairbrush, um, little packs of Q-tips. For the guys, it's like um, uh, different size t-shirts and really super warm socks. Other than the items that you've already mentioned, what else have you been able to give? Give out 900 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um, something like 700 winter coats. Even with giving the bags, I know you have probably several stories that you want to tell, but tell me about the girl that stood out to you. When she was standing there, like as I'm telling this story, I can picture her in front of me. She had a red coat on and she had her eyes closed and she was just smelling her hands. And I said, oh, don't you, do you like that smell? And she said, it smells like roses. My grandma always, when we were at her house, put lotions on our hands and our feet and our elbows. And she said she had some little song that she sang, but the whole time she was talking to me, her eyes were closed and her fingers were wrapped around her nose. And she, her hair was matted. And when she was done, she, you know, she said, can I hug you? And, Aww. you know, I hugged her and, you know, later that night, one of my girlfriends who organizes it, um, Ma Van from Hope on Deck, she said, you know, if you think about it, that might be the only hug she's had in a really long time. Wow. After that experience, tell me what happened when you rounded the corner. So when we round the corner, the very first time I went, there was... The rubbermaids that you put pet clothes away or party supplies or whatever 
it looked like a habit trail where they had hooked them together through duct tape, sheets that they had torn and tied together. And when we walked up, there was a young man coming out of the front of one of them. And, you know, we were like, hey, do you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Do you want a water? We had juice. Each, per each mom had like something different on her arms. And he's like, yeah, hold on a minute. He went back in and about eight boys came out. In various degrees of life, um, the, the smell was just unfathomable. And, you know, they just, they stand, you know, they're standing there, you know, laughing about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. What do you think is the average age range of the people that you see? That group of those young men, they were like my first group encounter. Um, they were all mid-20s. But, um, you know, up there we have seen girls nine months pregnant. Wow. Um, you know, whenever we are there, we've, I've never had a bad, I've never had anything where it's not a place I would want to be after dark. I mean, the news obviously shows you that, but like uh, one of the other stories that always sticks in my mind was we have girl bags and boy bags, obviously. So I must've handed a young man a girl's bag. So he rounded the corner to go back to wherever he was. And he came back and he tapped me on the shoulder and he's like, ma'am, and he hands me the bag back. And I said, oh, sweetheart, what's, you know, what's the matter? He said, there's girl stuff in there. <laughs> and I was like, well, here, we could just take that out. And he said, you know what? You gave me peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and a, and a little bag. So I'm good. You give that to some girl. Oh, like that always sticks with me. Um, you know, people have this misconception that you know, homeless people choose it. You know, you choose, you spend three minutes up there. Nobody chooses that. Um, the last time we were up there was a Wednesday afternoon, right on the main strip through Kensington. Um, we must have seen 25 boys in the storefront shooting up, either shooting themselves up shooting a friend up um you know people say well what's the answer and i don't know what the answer is there um you know lack of services lack of treatment um lack of understanding you know so many of them you know they're up there we have you know there's a there's a facebook page dedicated just to People like us that go up and we're up there, we'll snap pictures and we post it. It's a private page um, for parents who are looking for their kids. You know, we're right up the street from Kensington, but imagine if you were in California or out west. We've had people tell us, you know, well, I got here to buy drugs and I never left. Wow. What would you say to a parent that might be looking for their child? Or Never even. Give up. Never yeah. give up. Never give up. Um, you know, you, you don't hate the addict, hate the disease. Right.
In conversation with them, was there any indication that they had some form of trauma that might have triggered, you know, the the beginning of that type of substance a, a abuse? A lot of it, yes, absolutely. Um, we've had so many of our speakers who have done what they call the step work and, you know, they're able to talk about maybe a sexual assault or an abusive relationship and it became an escape. You know, everybody thinks that it's just easy to walk away from bad situations and it, it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of self-worth, but if somebody tells you every day that you're a piece of crap, um, and then treats you like that, you don't think you deserve any better. Exactly. So, and they start to believe it. And that's the sad part, you know, and I think that a lot of times that feeds off of it. Um, we do a lot of work with, um, the girls who are in sober living. We do a lot of work with all of them, but I feel like the girls are just, they'll pick up the phone and call you. You know, we right. need a blender, we need a toaster, we have a new girl. Um, and they're way more open to talking about, you know, um, so many of them have been sex trafficked. And the, during quarantine last year, one of my girlfriends who runs a program called the Nightlight Project, she started talking about sex trafficking and how really involved she was with it. And I kind of was like, wait a minute, we're not near Mexico. What, like, what's that have to do with anything? And a girlfriend we have in common gave me her phone number and I spent two hours on the phone. And, you know, she talked about sex trafficking is not where you were put in a trunk and driven across the border. It's, mental abuse it's you know i'm giving you a place to live so these you need to do these things in return for me um there is no woman alive who chooses to be a prostitute um and i think and that's another thing that needs to be talked about too because that's just another dynamic to uh, any any other type of form of abuse it absolutely is but you know Prostitution has such a, probably one of the ugliest stigmas, you know, but if you're a mom and you don't have means to feed your child and you think that's the way to do it, any mom who loves their child would do whatever was necessary to put a meal on the table. Um, but we're so quick to judge you know, it's like anything we're, we're as a society, so quick to judge. Um, and I agree because I think if you're not in that situation or it's not your child, it's not your family member, it's easy to say what you would or would not do oh yeah. until my child the shoe was on the other that. foot. Yep. Right. right. My child would never do that. I would never, the one that I always like kind of cringe when I hear is I would never let my child become a drug addict but whoever does nobody ever lets their child or family member become anything and I, I just heard a woman um on uh, uh something I was listening to on Facebook and her response to that was that's the same as saying I would never let my child get cancer 
And after I heard that, I was like, that's really powerful. It is. It makes you think. It makes you think it, in a different, a different way. It made me really step back. And like, as I heard it, I kind of chuckled to myself because I'm like, like, it's so simple. There it is. You wouldn't let your kid get cancer, but you have no control over that. You have no control exactly. over anything. Exactly. You know. Exactly. But, um, you know, there's, there's a, there's a lot of programs out there. There's a, Delaware is so blessed with so many grassroots programs, um, that, do, you know, I, for me, quarantine was, was a blessing because it really gave me time to connect with women who are making a huge difference. You know, um, you connect with other women and men. I shouldn't say that because we have just as many men. Um, but you, st you start to think, you know, you start to kind of become isolated. Well, this is all my group can do. But if I can come out, you know, on my Facebook page and talk about your bra drive or somebody's food drive, all of a sudden we're all pieces of the same puzzle. I am just so proud of you. So proud of your, your courage and your strength because it has to be hard, one, to, to lose a child, but to lose a child in that way and to be able to tell your story to other people, to let them know that there is life afterwards. You know, there's still stuff, work to be done. There's still- There is a lot of work to be done. Yeah. And there's, there's no time to feel sorry. But to, yeah. to be able to sit in a room with people that have shared the same or similar type of story and to, to say, listen, I've been there. Let's get past the guilt and let's do what we can do. Um, get busy. Yep. And you've been doing that. So my, my, my hat's off to you. And I appreciate your, your time and, and sharing your story because I think people need to, people need to hear it and, and, and understand that. They're not in it alone. No, no. So and you, you know, it's funny. Somebody asked me, I said, I needed a statistic about something this morning. And I said, I don't have time to talk. My friend is a published author and she's interviewing me this morning. <laughs> so I, I've got to do my hair. I cannot have it looking wild. And she's going to say the camera does not work. I said, so, you know, I said, she looks like a, like a supermodel. So I've got to at least put a little oh, lipstick on. Oh, you're so sweet. You're so sweet. But I'm very, I mean, you, you remind me that women have power. We do. And to see, you know, my dental assistant friend. I right know. <laughs> I know, you know, right? That, that to me is huge. I know. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? And. It's, you know, it's about, it, it's about sharing your story. Yeah. You know, being that. And I, and I, it, it, right. And that's why I, I know that it's not easy because I've been on the other side of my own story, you know, and I didn't think that I would be able to share just like you having to pick up the mic that day. I had many moments where I was standing like, okay, you can, you can say it now. Like, no, I'm not ready. No, God, yeah. I'm not ready. You know? Um, it sounds so easy up here. It does. 
until the mic is placed down and you have to pick it up and and run or the baton so to speak you know you got to pick it yeah. up and turn to run so I get it so my hat's off to you and I appreciate you you sharing because you know there's so many other moms and dads or even grandmas that that need to know you're not in this alone you know no it's the truth and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to tell my story today and to yes. talk about Vincent and face the facts and all the things I'm incredibly proud of yes that is amazing so thank you so much continue your work i will no matter your story if it's substance abuse or domestic violence like mine we all have a story to tell if you would like to reach me soulful-solutions.com is the place to go or if you have any questions or you want to follow face the facts you can follow them on their facebook page or reach out to them at facethefacts.life. 